An Australian first happened last month that could change the future of infertility treatment. 30-year-old Kirsty Bryant was told she would be unable to carry another baby after undergoing a life-saving hysterectomy during the birth of her daughter in 2021. But that could change after undergoing a transplant surgery earlier this year. The organ donated was her own mother's uterus and the trial's lead surgeon, Dr Rebecca Deans, joins me now. Dr Deans, welcome to the program. Thank you, Patricia. This is a really remarkable surgery. Take me through how it's even possible. Uh, so it's it's a procedure that was being developed with our collaborating Swedish uh, team. They performed the first one in 2013 that led to a live birth, and they spent, uh, Professor Matt Spranstrom has spent 25 years developing this technique through refining the surgical procedure um, in animal models and then you know, finally in humans. So in 2013 was the first live birth. So is this, where does this fit in? Is this, um, how many how many transplants have happened since then? Yeah, so the first live birth was actually 2014 after the first surgery in 2013. But um, so hopefully we have another, we have the first Australian live birth 10 years on. Um, so this, there've been, about 80 or 90 of these performed around the world now. So that Swedish team have been very good at training many of the teams around the world and they indeed are collaborating with us as well. It's a really remarkable surgery and I understand that the operation takes longer for the donor compared to the recipient. Can you explain why? So the donor surgery, um, you need to remove not just the uterus but all the vessels surrounding it and you need to take them out quite um quite laterally or wide from the organ so that you can then attach them to the larger, the greater organs in the recipient, which sit out on the side walls of the, um, if you imagine the inside of your abdomen. And what was involved in the lead up to this lengthy surgery? Oh gosh. Um, so there was lots and lots of um, conversations, communications that Kirsty and her mother knew exactly what they were um, putting themselves through, as you do for any live um, organ donation process, because they're two big operations that two individuals need to undertake. Um, so the psychological assessment was um, big. Then we needed to do um, matching. So they needed to match in their blood type. And then you need to do a tissue-specific matching just to make sure that Kirsty won't reject her mother's organ as much as possible. Mm. Um, obviously, there's always a risk of rejection, but the closer aligned you are with your genetics and your tissue type, the less likely you are to reject that organ. And how was Kirsty's 54-year-old mother able to donate her uterus? Is there an age limit on donating the organ? How, how, is, how is that uh, established? So we set up an ethics protocol to perform this under research setting. So that's important to note that this is still under research. And um, as part of the research, we looked at all of the cases done around the world and were able to see that the ones that had failed were often in women who were a lot older or, more importantly, the years post-menopause because the oestrogen with menopause is important for um keeping the organ healthy and particularly the blood vessels, keeping them at a good gauge and um, nice and patent because the organ really re 
relies on that blood supply, not only just for its initial survival and for it to be um, to be, for it to function. So indeed, Kirsty's in fact had her first period. So when we know that it's functioning, but later on when we do an embryo transfer, we want that organ to be able to support the growth of a um a baby, obviously, and that requires good blood supply. Mm. When you realised the surgery was successful, what did you think? I was just amazed. Um, I was involved in some of the Swedish procedures as well. So obviously um, I knew it could be done, but it's just wonderful to have it here in Australia. And what does this mean? What does this mean for the treatment potentially of fertility issues? I don't think it's our only choice, but it gives women another option. So women with uterine factor infertility, so an absent uterus or one that isn't functioning, at the moment in Australia have two or well, three options. They can accept childlessness, they can um, seek adoption, or they can seek surrogacy. Now, I mean, whether you accept something is up to you, but the two other options are not all that easy. I mean, medically they're easier, but the way that um, the legal structure is set up in Australia, uh, a lot of women are forced to undergo things like surrogacy procedures internationally, um, which is, you know, of much of a great risk. So what we can do with this, especially if you monitor this um, this surgery and try and perform it as safely as possible, is just to give women another choice. And what what are the next steps? Obviously, you, you do this surgery, so you uh, enable a, a pregnancy and then a live birth. What What's the sort of time frame for working towards that? So we're hoping that we can very soon in the next couple of months start to do embryo transfer. So prior to Kirsty's surgery, we also had to do the IVF, which I forgot to mention earlier, um, and then we've stored the embryos. So those embryos are waiting to go. She's been on a um, anti-rejection protocol with medications, one of which is not safe for um, the early embryo, and she's just come off that more um, embryotoxic, if you like, medication, and we need to give her a washout period. Once we have finished that washout period, we can we know that we're safe to transfer the embryo and then we go from there. And if this is successful, obviously this is um, the first time in Australia, what is the process for making this a sort of mainstream option for more women in this scenario? So we will have to finish our trial and then we then go up to state and federal government and apply for funding for such a procedure and just see whether it's something that the um, the health budget would um, would like to support. So that really depends. There's different countries around the world where this is now a treatment option. It's gone from the research setting into the treatment option. So in Sweden, uh, the Scandinavian nations have combined and, and they're um, offering this for those nations within that Cottenberg Hospital where Matt Branstrom and his team operate. Um, in the US, it's now a treatment option in the private setting because they have quite different um, healthcare systems. So I think in Australia, we need to work out what suits us best because we really operate in a dual system with both private and public health. Mm. Such a fascinating story. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Absolute pleasure. Dr. Rebecca Deans is a gynaecologist at Royal Hospital for Women and the research lead for the uterus transplant trial, the first successful transplant um, and, of course, the 
the next step is um, working towards a, a live birth, which has happened overseas. You're listening to ABC RM Breakfast. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app. Hi, podcasters. Just jumping back in with a special call out for the health report. Dr. Norman Swan, who, of course, you know from RN Brekkie and, well, everywhere, hosts the health report with Tegan Taylor. And it's really worth hearing if you want to stay up to date with the latest in health and medical news. Search for it on the ABC Listen app.